Let's rock. Welcome to another edition of IWTV Guide, your guide to what's on independentwrestling.tv. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkins, and joining me, as always, he's the guy who's going to spoil your fantasy football team championship hope, Charlie Butter. Yes. You don't play fantasy football at all. I'm kind of curious where you'd go with that, and that was not what I expected at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I never have. Um, I probably should, though. I mean, apparently, if you can just set your lineup and never change it and still get to the finals in certain leagues, I should probably do that. So, yeah, so maybe I, next so year. I, now, I am in the championship game of the old Smart Mark Radio League right now, and I happen to be against Rick Lieb in the finals. And I've got Alvin Kamara, who went off on the you know, on the game the other night, on the Friday night game, the Christmas game. Mm-hmm. So I got a text message in the fourth quarter on Friday night that just said, fuck you! I'm quite happy with my call. Well, I'm sure he cheated to get himself into the finals, so. Well, of course, he can heal. <laughs> Speaking of heels... <laughs> Our guest today, <laughs> our guest today, Mr. One, Justin Summers. What's going on, man? You kind of took my joke, but I figured that Rick Lee was just going to put himself over in the in the championship game because that's what he does. Ooh. <laughs> well, as, as we record, the Sunday night game is just about to start, and I am up by 12 points. He has Adam from Green Bay going in the night game tonight, and I've got Josh Allen going tomorrow night. Oh, I like my chance. Okay, if you want to take a sh- shot at the the Wrestling Cheers Fantasy League, a- as we talk right now, try <laughs> to read the one who hasn't touched his lineup all year is currently favored to win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's what I'm saying. I should just I should have just done that. That's perfect. I could do that and not have to worry about it. And I could end up in the championship game. He, he also has Josh Allen left to play, and he's going up. Uh, against Josh Goldstein, who has Corey Davis, wide receiver from the Tennessee Titans, to play left to play two. So after the show comes out, we'll know for a fact because right now Ryder Reed has the lead, one hundred and ten even to ninety seven point five six. Josh is only projected to get one hundred and eleven point five nine points. So. If uh, uh, his wide receiver underperforms, it might be a lock for Ryder Reed to win, and he hasn't touched his lineup all year. He w- didn't even participate in the draft. Crazy shit. <laughs> oh, that's sick. See, that's I, I might have to do it next year now. You kind of convinced me. It's, it's doable. Cause I don't know very much about football anymore. I used to play football and I used to watch it all the time and I haven't watched it in years. And like, I, I watch like the occasional Browns game now just cause I enjoy like seeing what they do. And like 90% of my friends are Browns fans. So I like to, you know, see what's going on with that. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know how well I would do in a draft. Like my boss talks about like all his stuff all the time. So like I pick up things here and there, but I have no idea. So I'll probably have to have him help me. <laughs> Yeah, the key to most leagues, and if they're if you're allowed to play a quarterback in the option spot, do it. That's about the only tip, tip I will give you. Okay, I'll try to remember that. <laughs> um, I figure if I tell you, if I figure if I tell you now, you'll forget by next year anyway. So. Probably. So, well, I guess we should also um, jump into some other news uh, before we get into everything else. Uh, we had a pretty sad Saturday. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's been a rough week, all all told. Uh, 
Uh, Saturday alone, we lost both Danny Hodge and Brody Lee. Uh, I know I know you guys are more familiar with Brody Lee than Danny Hodge. I'll speak about Danny Hodge real quick, and then we'll talk Brody Lee for a little bit here. Um, Danny Hodge would be like the 1950s, 1970s version of Kurt Angle. One of the best amateur wrestlers ever turned into a fantastic pro career. Was pretty much the perennial world junior heavyweight champion throughout the 50s and 70s before a car accident and his career in 1976. I had a chance to meet Danny Hodge one time at Kofa Alley in two, either 2012 or 2013. And the stories were always that Danny Hodge's uh, hands were coast drawn. He could crush an apple with a bare hand. Mm-hmm. Shaking his hand, I believe it, but this dude was 80 years old, and he had a grip on him at 80. If he had that kind of grip on him at 80, I can only imagine how strong he can for in the, in the, when he was in his 30s. All right. So, uh, with that, like, I know you guys aren't that familiar with his work, Well, I'll uh, defer to you to start with the Brody Lee stuff here. Uh, I mean, what's there to say about Brody? I mean, he, he was awesome when he was in WWE. He moved to AEW, did some great stuff there. Before that, he was in uh, on the Indies. He, he wrestled uh, around Cleveland a bunch. Um, he, he from all everything I've seen about him, he was an amazing person. Um, it's it's a huge loss when somebody like that who's touched so many lives just uh, passes like that. It's uh, it's really sad. Justin, I know for me, I only really got to see him live twi- twice or uh, not twice once. Technically, I did see him a couple WWE shows. I do believe but the one that i really count was on the independence it was actually my very first independent wrestling show which was prime wrestling's i think four-year anniversary i was front row and Brody lee comes out uh with marion fontaine and he does that you know that pose where you know a lot of tall guys do you know put both arms in the air and he looks over at me and i'm wearing the cm punk best in the world shirt and he just goes cm punk really confused because this is legitimately probably my, my first interaction with a wrestler i can't remember this was before or after one of the two intermissions of the night but i was just like yeah and he goes i like drugs and just walks away and I, <laughs> it's it's just one of those moments that i'll, I'll always remember uh, he wasn't booked in pwo after that they only had two more tapings after this and then they went on a very short hiatus and within that hiatus, when they switched from PWO to Prime Wrestling, they uh, he got signed to WWE. So I don't know if there was ever plans for him coming back. They did write him off like he was suspended. But like I said, I don't know if that meant he was going to eventually come back or not. And uh, there is a story that because of him having the booking with PWO and doing the resolution main event uh, on the other side of the ring against Kevin Nash, which was a tag team match, it was because of that he got signed. Because Kevin Nash really liked what he saw and kind of put the bug in the ear to Triple H, WWE, whatever. And it, it kind of goes to show you because it was within a year after that he was signed. Yeah, I think I call I think I call him Brody Lee once live. And it would have actually been the last TV taping prior to that resolution you're talking about. They did that TV taping in Niles, Ohio, and they taped like a week of TV that night. That was a long night. But that, just the pregnant that he that he included it when he was in the ring, like you knew he was going to be something special. And realistically, it's hard to say for a guy who was near the top of the card and WWE as long he was that he underachieved, but maybe he underachieved a little bit. I think we got to bring up the, like the other time I seen him live. And like I said, I don't count it because it was a WWE show, but uh, tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs where the opening match, if I'm correct, the opening match on the pay-per-view was 
Luke Harper versus Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match for the IC title, and it really stole the show. I think a lot of people kind of forget about that Luke Harper Intercontinental title reign, but I liked it, and I always thought Luke Harper, Brody Lee, was going to be a huge star in WWE Like after the Wyatt family broke up. It was going to be Bray Wyatt was going to be a huge star. Luke Harper was going to be up there, too, but then Eric Rowan was going to be the one to fizzle out, and now you know Bray Wyatt's the only one left in WWE even prior to Brody Lee getting released from WWE. Yeah, I remember that match. That was probably my favorite match on that whole show. I wasn't really watching it much at the time, but I liked that they were finally doing something with him because he had like a serial killer type gimmick and stuff, and he was he was an interesting character. Uh, and uh, the Intercontinental title looked good on him, so that was, that was a, a good era for him right there. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring the mood up here a little bit. Last thing I want to do on the last show of the year be kind of the entire the entire episode. So. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna uh, re-mention the. Um, raffle that's going on because it's going on until this thursday so if you paypal three dollars or more to kfabe collect at gmail.com all proceeds are going to feeding america there'll be three separate winners you can win a prize pack from the lvac jonesy was taken double hell wrestling club and dominic Graney. Uh, so please donate and uh, you can win a cool prize pack so you still have until thursday the winners will be picked on friday okay so before we get into the uh me of the matter of, of the show here. I want to pick your guy brain a little bit here, but I I uh, I got myself into a Groucho Mark rabbit hole on YouTube uh, about a week or so ago. Because you're old, and well, Groucho Mark is timeless, but <laughs> but I end up I end up watching some old episodes. You bet your life, and then I call a clip that was Groucho Mark on what's my line. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and watch this. And I randomly in a, just a random episode that happened to have Groucho Mark on it. And it turns out that pro wrestler Judy Grable was actually one of the contestants on the show, trying to stop the panel. And that got me into looking for wrestlers on game shows, and I ended up finding Brian Kendrick on Prank and Right, Ock Baker on Prank and Right. So let me ask you guys, what are some of your favorite game shows? God, I feel like I asked this question on Wrestling Chairs. <laughs> you, you, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you do. I'm not, I am very well aware of that. I look into your show. Sometimes. Can you get my lawyer on the phone? Thanks. Oh, what? Oh, shit, I didn't hear me my bad okay okay you you literally uh have the fave five question so i don't want to hear it (laughs) yeah uh cancel that call anyway um (laughs) i think for me it it depends on your category there's price is right is is up there for me and so is family feud but there's also just the timeless classics of both the wheel of fortune and jeopardy I mean, I can do another whole dark thing about Jeopardy right now, but still, those like I remember growing up watching those two back to back, whether it be my mom watching them or especially my grandparents. Like they love those two shows, even watching the reruns on the weekend before Catch Explosion here in Ohio. So easy staples, I think, too, that everybody forgets about. But Price is Right was also there for everybody when they were homesick. And every, everybody has a favorite game. A lot of people say Plinko. And I mean, that that's definitely a, a great memorable game and then family feud is another show that's just really lasted the test of time going through a bunch of different hosts and you have uh two that are arguably the best ever on that show we've had the conversation here before we've had the conversation but prior to recording you know it's you know it's down between richard dawson and steve harvey they both have their qualities that made that that show great uh i do edge out saying that steve harvey just his comedic ability puts it way over the top for me but i can never deny especially before steve harvey the legend of richard dawson and really 
that show was always his show up until I think Steve Har- Harvey really cemented himself in it. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna I. I, I prefer Richard Dawkins to Steve Harvey as far as Family Feud hope go, but I'm not going to argue your point on Steve Harvey. He had fantastic in that role. Uh, I, I I was always partial like a kid to prank your luck because I thought the rip whammy were funny. I was, that was a big one when I was a kid. And I ended up getting really into the rerun of Match Game. Once I got Game Show Network and that show was on like all the time. Brett Summer and Charles Nook and Riley going back and forth. Richard Dawkins on that show was going fantastic as well. That could probably be my top three or four, I guess. What about you, Butter? I always liked uh, Jeopardy. Um, I remember watching that all the time. And Family Feud, uh, when I got older, I started really enjoying that with uh, some of the different hosts. Uh, Do you guys remember some of the ones that were on Nick all the time? Those ones were really fun, too. Like, uh, those ones were always really good in my I can't remember names of some of them, but I remember those were being a lot of fun. Like the ones that, that had like the, the families on them and like they had to do the different stuff. That was always really cool. Great, great, vague explanation. Yeah, I know. I just remember that there was like a slide, at like the final thing, and they had to like try to find something and like the, the whipped cream thing at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. Double dare? Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, double dare. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like right. there, there, there was literally an AIW show named after that show. They even brought Mark Cummerkin for it. I understand this, but, you know, I haven't thought about some of that was, stuff in a long time. Technically, there was two different versions. There was Family Feud. I'm not Family Feud. Wrong. Family Double Dare. And before that, just regular Double Dare. Like, it was just it was just kids. And then when they started Family Double Dare, I think that made it more interesting just because you had the family aspect of it. But there was also uh, Nick arcade. There was also the, everybody who seems to love legends of the hidden Temple. Yeah. That was just the other one I was going to say is definitely legends of the hidden temple. That was awesome. One that wasn't a game show, but it was a live action show. And it also starred Mark Summers. I don't say live action show, but there was a live audience and everything. And it was people and all these other stuff. But uh, you, I must said the wrong show. What would you do? Yeah. What would you do? Okay. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Also. That was, I, I, I was more of a uh, like stupid human trick type of thing than a game show, but it was my fun. If you got a problem with me like a supermarket sweep, we can fucking handle it any way you want to. I prefer physical violence, but if you don't want to do it that way, we could talk about it, but I'll probably smack you. All right, I like fucking supermarket sweep. There ain't no fucking problem, right? I can't argue that pick either, Nick Gage. But supermarket sweep and, and, and was actually really fun. How are the old ones are on Netflix right now? And that they're actually really interesting to watch in hindsight. Yeah, there's like new ones too, I guess. Like a whole new, uh, like new episodes now with a different host. I never got into it, and I still don't get the appeal. Sorry, Nick Gage. <laughs> Yeah, please, please, don't, please don't knife him at the next AIW show. I think he's got other people he's going to take out at the next AIW show. <laughs> Nick Gage, if you have a problem with me, uh, send all tweets to at PW Critique. And um, <laughs> that's not his. That's not his handle anymore. Handle his, <laughs> his, ha- hander. his, ha- his handle. It's changed. Yeah, he changed yeah, it like yeah, two go, years go ago. Go ahead and send them to at PW Critique. I'll never feel. <laughs> Send it to at Rubber City Wrestling and uh oh, oh boy okay you know I might still have to work there when the pandemic ends I I kind of like to keep a good relationship with them actually uh, you can send them to Pod Van Dam <laughs> <laughs> and I can walk up with that fucking puppet while you're at it yeah I I just want to see Nick 
Gage put over Rick Lee. That's all I want to hear. That's all I want to see. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're ever going to see that in a million years, but I think even Rick Lee is smarter than that. Jury's still out. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, let's God. let's see what's on IWTV this week because they got a couple premieres. Uh, so let's check this out. All right, so Monday, December 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern, Paradigm Pro, uh, No Hook. Tuesday, December 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, New South Pro Wrestling, Action Clash, Episode 16. Followed by 9 p.m. Eastern, Heavy Metal Wrestling, Texas Grand Prix Series, Week 13. Wednesday, December 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern, Limitless Wrestling, The Road, Season 2, Episode 11. Followed by 10 p.m. Eastern, Paradigm Pro UWFI Rules Contender Series Episode 2. And then Saturday, January 2nd, first show of the year on IWTV at 7 p.m. Eastern, Synergy Pro Wrestling, Synergy 1221, which I'm assuming is 1221, you know. Probably. Because that's the date. Hashtag Synergy 1221. And that's what's on IWTV this week. And as always, if for whatever reason you are unable to watch those shows live, they will be available on demand. And they're an incredible on-demand library on independentrecling.tv. And that's including what we're going to be covering this week. So, Justin, because we actually picked this week's uh, review based on you being here. So why don't you go ahead and, and lead in a little bit with it? Well, there's the fact that Charlie thought I was at this show. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was going to be like early episodes of Prime Wrestling. I mean, I granted PWO Prime Wrestling were the, were the exact same thing, but actually it's PWO. It's from April and is it April and May or May and June of 2008. That alone is three years before I ever went to an independent wrestling show. <laughs> so I had no idea what PWO was at the time, but uh, maybe also like a link to me would be the fact of me going to a lot of these shows and when Ohio Indie Report first started out. It was me going to PWO slash Prime Wrestling shows as well as AIW shows and doing live tweeting. And then I think it was after a year of doing that uh, when the podcast came up. So that's kind of how PWO links to me. Also, wait a minute. We, we didn't do something in, in introductions that should have been put in the rundown, Charlie. Uh, shame on you. How the hell is Orange Flaccity uh, that, that high <laughs> on the top 10 list in my episodes aren't shit? What in the fuck, guys? Come, come on. Dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think he's, you know, just sitting there at work and streaming them at night because he's like, his, even his second episode's gotten much more numbers. And by the way, uh, this whole free orange flaccity thing he's trying on there, no, nah, it's not going to work because uh, I called my lawyer too. And it's, yeah, we own the masters of, the, of those recordings. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I don't know what the why there's no crossover there from from wrestling cheers to this, but from our all time list, and, and it changes though because also his first episode is out of the top ten now. Uh, when I checked it like two days later, so stuff is changing constantly on there. And yeah, he's not he was not in the top ten, but this week's episode is now in the or last week's episode was now in the top ten. So I'm about to download this episode that we're recording, <laughs> like. 200 times like download delete download delete download delete i feel like there's somebody in ontario canada that keeps doing that because i'm getting we're getting like ridiculous download numbers out of ontario canada and i and i can't figure out why it's always on like a tuesday and they download a ton 
of episodes. Like, and it's, I don't think it's just one, like they download a bunch of different stuff constantly. At least like you're over in Toronto, bud. Hey, you know, there's a, yeah, we got a lot of interesting downloads this last week too. I mean, we got Texas on here, California, uh, just a lot of interesting stuff, including we got some, some foreign ones too, that I was really surprised by. Um, let me log in here and take a look at this. Cause I actually want to mention this. Cause I thought this is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know how or why they found this, but, uh, we have one from Belgium, two from Romania, one from India, uh, one from Norway, two from the United Kingdom. And, uh, yeah, so Canada, they have 113 this week, which I don't understand because it's all from one region and it's all from like one type of podcasting app, Bullhorn, which I've never heard of. It could be one of the ones that kind of copies off of, uh, Apple podcast. I've, there's a bunch out there cause I've looked up different podcast on all call platforms or whatever places you can download podcasts and i've searched resting cheers and it's come up and like well i haven't submitted you to this website so i don't know how it got up here but hey if people are listening through whatever that mean hey that's great yeah so so thanks to all of our uh, northern neighbors that are listening that's awesome when we were on the old network on the old podcast we, we would randomly get downloaded from myanmar which i didn't even realize like an actual country until they were showing up on a report <laughs> Yeah, but like I said before, when we were talking about this last week, like I don't believe their their download numbers or their locations whatsoever from from Blog Talk. I don't believe any of it because once we got on Podbean, we started seeing more realistic numbers. So I feel like I don't I don't know what was going on there or what was happening for that to even be possible. But I don't feel like those were real numbers. But thanks for everybody that's listening now because uh, we do have some interesting analytics to look at now all the time and. Our download numbers are up by lots, and uh, yeah, and we and we want to thank you whether you're listening to any of our of our feeds on the various podcasting platforms, or if you're downloading directly through PW Pondering. Uh, I've been I've been told that uh, we've peaked at time got up to fourteen hundred on PW Pondering, but we we're averaging about five to hundred at a minimum every week. So thank you, folks, for that as well. Yeah, I didn't know any of that information, so thank you for telling me too. So you're welcome. Yeah, we get like uh, a lot of our older episodes too, like keep randomly coming up, like. Uh, we did one on John Moxley when he first left WWE, just called the Death Rider, and it just it still gets downloads to this day, like three and four a week. Don't know why. So let's make this one a big a big deal in Ohio because you know we are talking about uh, pro wrestling Ohio, and uh, we know a lot of the people on these uh, cards. Um, we know a lot of people that were involved with this company, so this is a little bit of like a, a home base uh, episode to kind of look back at some of the stuff that was going on on in, in indie wrestling back in like 2008. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a look at the show. We did a uh, pro wrestling, Ohio clash prime wrestling episode 13 and 14 available on IWTV. Uh, the particular show occurred from the game taping uh, April 19th, 2008 from the Lakewood McConnick temple in Lakewood, Ohio PWO, uh, I don't want to escape bridge the gap between Cleveland All Pro Wrestling and AIW, and AIW was running at the time as well. But this was basically like from the ashes of KPW and JT Lightning stopped promoting full time. Took over the t- took over the TV deal, used a lot of the same talent, yeah, uh, a lot of the same guy in charge of booking and things like that. So, and I think they even I think they even used a couple. Of, I think they even played off of a couple of the storylines that were going on there when they first started as well. So, the thing that I always liked about PWO when I, like, especially when I first started getting interested in it is it was a great 
gateway to independent wrestling if you just watched PWO. Maybe more so definitely when I was watching, because, I mean, I've said many times before, my first match watching was Johnny Gargano versus M-Dog versus Josh Prohibition. You want to talk about an introduction? I mean, there it is. Yeah, probably. You have so many other stars that would come through or did come through that either became huge stars or maybe you have a guy like Jimmy Jacobs who was a staple on the independent wrestling scene. When I seen him alive, when he did uh, a big reveal of the, this mask character or this uh, masked person, that was my inner, like, I had no idea who the fuck it was. But since then I've learned who Jimmy Jacobs was and is. So now I have, I have a big appreciation for him. So if it wasn't for PWO, I don't know how many other companies that I would know, but it, like I said, it being that gateway and you could just watch it on like here, local TV or even YouTube. I mean, you can't ask for anything better and comparing it to AIW. I always felt like granted, this is not the perfect analogy, but you had PWO prime wrestling was like the WWE as in like how the product is like, it's made for TV and it's going to be only uh, an hour long or like less than an hour. So it can fit on TV and YouTube. And then you had, uh, AIW was like the ECW where things got a little more extreme. Things got a little bit more adult, maybe, you know, not scantily clad women and everything, but it was just, it was wrestling with an edge. And that's something I always appreciated. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good analogy. Um, I definitely get the vibe for each of these, uh, for that to kind of match up. So yeah, that works. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and get into it here? We're going to start with Epico 13 and it begins with Michael Cash interviewing, the deviant Michael Hutter, who would later go on to become Derek Bateman, and then later on from that becoming EP3 in the future. Now, look at Hutter's first appearance in the company, and he is brought in to team in, team up with Jake and Bain against Johnny Gargano and Josh Prohibition in our main event here later tonight. Even back then, Hutter had a really good promo. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Uh, this was um, he was actually in pretty good shape too. Like he was, he he very much looked has pretty much looked the same since then. Like he was younger, but other than that, he looked. Pretty much the same. I mean, uh, he was impressive in size. Like, it's funny to see, like, him and Bane go up against, like, Gargano and Prohibition, who are much smaller than them, it feels like. Uh, it's kind of a overmatch situation there. But, uh, yeah, this this was just a little quick promo to introduce him and get things going. I think Hunter kind of always had it one way or another. I mean, that's how he got into WWE in the first place. Hands down. We go from there to our opening match. It is Vincent Nothing taking on Marion Fontaine, and Jimmy DeMarco is banned from the building based on some prior interaction he had with Fontaine. Uh, Vincent Nothing, of course, part of a tag team called Faith and Nothing in the Cleveland All Pro Day, teaming with Christian Faith, who would go on to become Ricky Shane Page. Really, really uh, jarring seeing this version of Marion Fontaine <laughs> when you see what Fontaine become over the, over the years. And I think actually, and I think a lot about Fontaine actually that he's been able to evolve the way he has over yeah you know, over the years. There's that aspect of it. There's the fact that he later took that character in PWO and turned it heel, and that was like the only place you've seen that character. Meanwhile, he was still in AIW and other companies, being the older Marion Fontaine, and then he ended up switching to the old character, but still keeping the megastar in what later at that time was becoming prime wrestling so it was always cool to see wrestlers like that being able to do different things in different companies and not sticking with well i'm this wrestler this is what i do there's nothing going to be anything else different for me or if i'm a bad guy i'm going to be the same kind of person but i'm going to be just 
mean and I'm going to like show these heel characteristics. But he really created technically three separate characters and always had at least, I think, two going on at one time. Absolutely loved it. We've got a pretty solid opening match here. Uh, biggest issue I have with this show is the production value. And um, granted, we're looking at Epico 13 of a small outfit out of Cleveland like running in a Maconic temple in front of maybe 100 people. But Joe Dabrowski on commentary sounds good the entire time. They could not get the audio level on Jamie Scott's microphone right for any length of time to save their life. So he really faint for the first part of the match and really loud for the second part of the match. And it, on and on like that for both of the Epicodes. Well, it looks like he had like something just like around his neck and then just kind of resting like by his chin. So, I mean, who knows how he was talking into that microphone or why they did it that way that that's how he was talking because it just, yeah, it didn't seem like that was a great move to not have like an actual microphone with a stand or whatever or something for him to talk into. Uh, it's supposed to be the same headset that Dombrowski was wearing. He just didn't put the earpiece over his ear. I don't, I don't know why. That's what he was doing, but... uh. I do want to point out that the crowd was hot for a lot of these matches, and uh, which kind of surprised me because, like, if you look at some of these matches, like, I feel like some of these matches wouldn't get very much attention now. So it was really interesting to see like how hot they were for some of this stuff, and it really added to a lot of the matches um, that the crowd was really into a lot of stuff. So that was kind of cool. I mean, with the commentary, we can put up that it was also 2008. I don't know how wrestling shows were at that time, but. I feel like we've come a long way. So those issues, like if they happen now, yeah, it's a big issue. But 2008, a newer company, I can I can let it slide. But I uh, the commentary, that part was a big deal for me. And then I noticed a little bit in the second episode, I felt like there were times the audio was not in sync, but it wasn't throughout the whole show. There was a couple moments where the sound would be about a second off from actual seeing the movement, or if you get a little glimpse of the commentary that it was just just this little audio sync off, and I don't know if it was just me or not. I didn't catch that, but there were parts of the second episode I wasn't paying, able to pay as much attention to as I would have liked, so maybe I just happened not to, just not to catch it. But Yeah, I didn't notice anything myself. So. Okay, Magic Nelfid, your pretty basic opening match. Uh, nothing dog a little bit at the beginning. Gained the advantage. He's working Fontaine's leg. Uh, cut the leg off every time Fontaine make a comeback. Uh, Fontaine does finally make his comeback, and he looked pretty good. Then Jimmy DeMarco hopped the guardrail, dressed in drag, and interfered. Rolled Fontaine back into the ring, and nothing locking the commission for the pin uh, for the commission win in 9:05. It's good. It's a solid opening match. I have no issues with it. I guess it's real fun to see like people super young into their career compared to where we're at uh, now with them. So this was uh, definitely a thing like I, I know that uh, before the pandemic, uh, Vincent Nothing was supposed to be coming back um, and wrestling again. And uh, Marion Fontaine has obviously changed so much since this version of him. And it's, uh, it's it was really entertaining to watch us and kind of see where they were 12 years ago. So I haven't seen much from Vincent Nothing because he was out of wrestling by the time I started coming around. So it was really cool to see him on this i'm a, a hands down a huge fan of marion fontaine to see a throwback marion fontaine before we got the real throwback marion fontaine <laughs> was always a blast and there's a reason why he's one of my favorite performers and i was still entertained by this no no matter how old it was yeah okay, I- just on your point of uh 
just on your point of Vince McMahon was supposed to come back pre-pandemic. According to the information on Cage Match, he had not wrestled against the JT Lightning Memorial Show in 2011 up until September when he'd been working IWA in Mid-South the last couple months. And that's been it. Yeah. Yeah. Nine years off. He was out doing other stuff. I think he did, like, MMA and stuff for a while. So, But, um, no, like uh, what Justin was saying, like, the reason why I picked some of these two shows is because of the names that are on the shows and uh, who they are to us now. And that kind of thing. Like I wanted to see like Marion Fontaine from back then, Bobby Beverly from back then, uh, Gargano and Josh prohibition from back then EC three from back then and, uh, Matt justice from back then. So like, that's the, the whole point of these two episodes was basically to, to take a snapshot of like what was, uh, going on in indie wrestling 12 years ago with these guys and what they were doing and what they look like and, uh, that kind of stuff. And, uh, to where we are now. So that's, that's kind of what, what it was. It was like a, you know, homegrown kind of thing. Like these guys are big names on the independent or in WWE now. So it's kind of fun to, uh, just like a couple of years ago where they were, I mean, yeah, it's 12 feels like a couple of years ago with, uh, how things have been going, but yeah. What did you say? Vincent nothing's last match was prior to this most recent run in IWA mid count, which started in September. His last match was the three-way tag team ladder match at the JT Lightning Memorial Show, September 25th, 2011. Okay, Memorial Memorial Show. I don't know whether I heard it wrong or just thought about it wrong. I thought you said, like, the JT Lightning Invitational Tournament. And I'm like, I know he wasn't at that one (laughs) because I would have seen him. But, yeah, oddly enough, like, that that show was a show or two before I started showing up for AIW. So that's right at the cutoff for me. Yeah, we went to that show, right, Jared? That was a very long show, but that's the hottest I've ever seen a crowd for that long, ever. Yeah, it was a long show, but it was a really good time. I met uh, Matt Cross for the first time at that show. So, Did did it have like a, an hour opening Battle Royal? The Battle Royal did not open, but it did have a 30-man rumble that went really fucking long. Making a dropkick diabetes show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Actually, yeah. the Battle Royal, according to Cage Match, went on third from third from the top. It was that, or fall, fall by the six man tag, and then the ladder match with the main. Speaking of things I missed about this year, I, I missed that we didn't get to have a dropkick diabetes show. Uh, in fairness, that wasn't happening this year either way, but. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned it before. I remember I mentioned it, Charlie or, or my fiance, but I was like, well, uh, there wasn't going to be a show no, no matter what. So coming out, and I don't remember if it was the end of last year or beginning of this year, they're like, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to skip this year. And it's like, well, you're going to skip this year one way or another. <laughs> I do not remember that actually. Hmm. I mean, when you have shows as long as you do, it's kind of like, well, you've 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 earned you've earned it. We don't need another five hour show this year. We're good. <laughs> okay, moving on with the show. Uh, Michael Kashik in the locker room. Jimmy DeMarco runs in the locker room quickly. Cuts a very um, I, most polite way I can say that this interview would not fly in 2020. <laughs> oh yeah, he was throwing around the uh, R word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From there, we go to back into the ring, and we've got the clash of Brian Bender and Ernie Ball. They are in the ring cutting a promo. On one of the previous episodes, they were trying to do their own talk show called The Rock Show with Bobby Beverly and Hobo Joe, and things did not go well. And they're basically kind of going to take their uh, revenge on Bobby Beverly and Hobo Joe. And that leads to the tag team match with the clash against Beverly and Benjamin Boone. Uh, go, uh, Joe and Brownke on commentary because it's Bobby Beverly kicks ever match. And according to Cage Match, I'm absolutely legit. I looked actually looked that up when he said it. <laughs> Damn. 
Yeah, that was actually absolutely legit. Uh, it's weird seeing Ben Boone here as the clean-cut babyface, based on what he would become in PWO and Prime when he started team with Nate Matkin at the country Michigan. And honestly, and, and I'm going to say this kind of kind, I think Ben Boone might be the one guy who have made more WWE television appearances without being kind than anybody in the modern era. It seems like any time they're within like a thousand miles of Ben Boone home, he can fuck, doing fucking extra work. And nine times out of ten, he is a security guard. He was a contest winner. They got the KFT at ringside on the one pay-per-view. I forget which pay-per-view it was, but okay. All right. Now the match itself, uh, earlier on, early on the match, uh, Joe Dabrowski is plugging the website and the MySpace page. I dropped my phone. I'm sure you heard that. It's okay how old the show is because they're plugging the fucking MySpace page. Yeah, there, there's also a MySpace reference in the second episode, and uh, it made me crack up, especially the person that I was coming from. Okay, we're getting a little bit of a tension between Balk and Bender at this point as well. I think their split actually does come quite a bit later than this, but they're already teasing that. They're arguing a little bit back and forth. Yeah, eventually they've got they've got Boone isolated in the ring. There's a weird jump cut in the middle of the match. I don't know if they took a commercial break and just didn't advertise it before they took it, or if they had to cut something out. But it's very noticeable. Beverly eventually does make I, the hot. T- go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say I think they cut out all the local commercials that were on there like it was just boom to boom and they do make the hot tag to beverly uh beverly get go for a gun kept flip ball grabs the rope and referee dave roger kicked the hands off the rope kind of beverly can complete the gun flip and get the pen i've never been a fan of that spot they get like it break the break the hold like what are you holding what are you kicking the hand for i don't i don't understand that but any other thought the crowd was er- super into this match and it was uh it was a fun little tag i was gonna say uh ernie balls another forgotten name in local independent uh, wrestling history. He, I never seen him wrestle. I don't think prior to this, but he had a podcast very, very briefly that I used to listen to. And, but that was back when he was wrestling in war. And, but since then, now I think he just does music. Like he has a band or at least had a band, but it was labeled something about space monkeys. And uh, that was before, uh, space monkey we know and love okay go from there we go to our next matchup it is Cronus, led by aaron mcguire taking on tim horner jr who apparently not actually tim horner's kid i don't know why you call yourself tim horner jr of all things if you're not related to him but just uh, a Cronin, name i don't know uh this is basically a squash they're building to a matchup at what would become revolution one between Cronus and jake and bain uh, McGuire got a restraining order on Bane that he cannot touch him or that he cannot touch Corona prior to them actually having a kind match or he'll be uh, banned from wrestling in Ohio forever. I would think you'd want to attack the guy if it means you don't have to wrestle in Ohio. I kid, I kid. Look at the one, look at the one time that Jamie Scott is funny on commentary and then he takes the joke way too far. He starts randomly naming second and third and seventh generation wrestler. And at first, it's like Bill Watts the third, and but then he like starts running out of idea, and it's like Terry Taylor the seventh. Oh, you know, got to run it into the ground, real, real, real good there. Then after the match, McGuire is on the microphone. He shows his temporary order of protection against Bane, and then we go to the back. Michael Cash interviewing Vincent Nothing. Uh, nothing is upset because there's a big ladder match coming up next week, and they didn't invite him to be in it. And he is the master of the ladder match. Yes, apparently he had the best ladder match in Cleveland ever previously. Edgen Christian and the Hardy Boy might have something to say about that, but I haven't seen the one that he's talking about, I don't think, anyway. Right. So who knows? And then it's time for our main event. We've got Josh Prohibition and a very young Johnny Gargano 
taking on Michael Hutter and Jake and Bain. We talked about Hutter earlier on here. Jake and Bain, I'm actually surprised, didn't get picked up by by a by a big company at some point. A huge dude, pretty good worker for a guy. And of course, we know what's become of Johnny Gargano and and Prohibition's been an Ohio staple for 20 years now. So, and if they're going to match actually epitomize in Cleveland wrestling, this might be it. Yeah, this is uh, to me four big names. Like I, I when I started like finding independent wrestling, like Bane was uh, was a one that I saw all the time, and I, I liked his character, and uh, I liked his work, and uh, I don't remember much else about, like, I don't remember Gargano when I was watching originally. I do remember Prohibition, because obviously, like, he had a bit of a name for, like, the backyard wrestling stuff, so, but yeah, this is this is another good tag match. This, this show was actually a lot of fun, like, a little nice throwback. I got to work with Jake and Bain a number of times in mid-Ohio wrestling, in 2010, 2012, that general, er, that general era. And he booked against Rhino one night. And they're going over the match in the locker room, and Rhino going, okay, then you do this, you do this, you do this. I start firing up. And then Rhino stops in mid-sentence, looks over at me and goes, don't you have a black girlfriend in Detroit named LaFonda? I'm cringing because I've seen the movie, and I hate that movie. Like, I hate Napoleon Dynamite with a passion. Jake and Bane at the time had never seen the movie. He was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, that's so good. Oh, so good. <laughs> okay, go. Well, uh, the match itself is your uh, usual tag team match. Maybe if can get some shine early. Uh, Michael Hutter plays the role of, of Ricky Morton and then in the ring for a long time, taking a beating. Make the hot tag to, to Bane. Uh, Bane gets caught to a, into a sleeper, almost gets beat and fight out of it. All four men brawl into the ring before Michael Hutter pinned Josh Prohibition with a cannot power bomb in about 14 minutes. I'm, I, I'm, I'm simplifying the, the Oakland match. They're really good stuff. They're very call the main event tag team match. I always kind of like seeing this early, early Johnny Gargano before he had any of the popularity that he would eventually get. Uh, especially, too, because he has this stigma or had a stigma up until recently of always being the good guy babyface. So this was early on and he was being such a dick and you we're starting to see it a little bit now and it's i think it's kind of cool to see going back to jason bain the thing that i always love about him i mean he had some like great memorable moments in pwo he was the i think pwo champion at actually at my first show he ended up losing it at the end of the night to m dog but uh, i always loved how pedro would announce him and i don't think he did it this early on and I don't want to peek my microphone, but uh, I'll, I'll do an attempt of it because he would go, Jason, Bain! just really fucking funny. And every so once in a while, I'll be like, Pedro, uh, announce Jason Bain for me. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, man. First show back, we get Pedro. I'm going to do that now. You, we're going to do that. I need, I need to hear it now in person. It was one of those introductions that he had that I loved. I mean, granted, I feel like he had a lot, but just like the way he announced it was great and i don't think anybody could ever do it like he did uh, that, uh there aren't that many that are better than pedro anywhere any, any other thoughts on the tag team match at here you're looking at a uh, johnny gargano who maybe three years in the business at this point yeah you as you said showing kind of that potential acca heel you know, showing some good technique i mean i mean i i, I like looking look where the guy could be like being really the only one that didn't really I mean, yeah, Prohibition had come around outside of outside of Ohio, but for the most part, he really didn't. But I mean, he 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 wanted to stay stick around. And I always hell, thought Bane. I was gonna say hell, even with J Pro, he his run outside of 
Ohio was was all before this, like like the bigger moments. Yeah, on yeah, when come to think of it, you're right. All right, let's jump into the second episode. Okay, second episode aired two weeks later, according to Cage Matfield. PW was doing that at the time. They showed the second episode two weeks in a row. And we open with delicious Jimmy DeMarco against Hobo Joe. Hobo Joe, who had left wrestling and had uh, gone into stand-up comedy. Uh, no, he's uh, he's since passed away. Oh, really? So, yeah. Um, rest in peace, Hobo Joe. Uh, I was not aware of that. Now I feel like a dick. Rightfully so. Okay. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even argue that point. Anyway. Uh, we do get a funny spot very early in the match here. They go for the old crisscross spot where they're each running up against Kai Guru, kind of crisscross pattern. Hobo Joe glides underneath the ring, and DeMarco runs by himself for like 30 seconds before he realizes what's going on. Oh, he did like that spot. Clash comes out on stage to watch the match, playing off the previous promo from the previous show. Hobo Joe is making a comeback. Actually, get a number of backslides. Multiple backslides going to come back. Got two two counting off of them. Brian Bender dunk an abstraction. That leads to DeMarco getting a roll-up for the pin at 541, and then the Clash laying out Hobo Joe after the match and cutting a promo. I felt like it was just getting going when it ended, actually. I mean, I get a TV product, and you got to watch your time, but that could have used a couple more minutes, I think. I thought Hobo Joe looked like uh, if Ed gained, like, 150 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the gimmick, and I, I never got to see him do this live, where he brings a cup out. And ask for donations. That's somebody, fucking... somebody put a big bill in a can on the show too. I thought I thought it was a fake bill though. It might have been a fake bill, but it was like a hundred. I think you're right. I think it was like a fake bill, but it was like a fake hundred. And and Hobo Joe called it like really well too. Like look at that. That's yeah, it's absolutely great. I I miss him. Uh, I miss the homeless handicap connection too because that was a that was a fucking hilarious dynamic. Yeah, honestly, I, that 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 went a lot. That gimmick went a lot better than I really had any right being when you think about it. And those are two talented guys. Like I'm not knocking either guy when I pay that. But I want to give the guy like really that what you're doing with it. And yeah, I wound up being really good. What's next? Okay, so we got an interview in the back with Josh Prohibition discussing the upcoming tournament to crown the first ever PWO heavyweight champion. He won in. Michael Hunter comes out, interrupts. They can he won in two. He won compete prohibition, and they fight in the back and a pull apart. Pretty good stuff here. Yes. Yes. You aren't the two best podcasters in Ruckling for nothing, folks. Thanks, Bob Uecker. <laughs> right, from there, we have Cronin with Aaron McGuire taking on Chris LaRucco. Chris LaRucco, who made his name in the Pittsburgh area, and done very well for himself there, but here he squash fodder for Cronin, going to build up to the match of pain. It's a little bit more often and than Tim like, Horner Jr. did, but not, a, but not a lot. He looked like a very big AG Styles fan. That's what I'll say about LaRusso. <laughs> I thought the same thing. He had some AJ Styles gear. He was just a little bit pudgier. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's exactly what he was going for. The phenomenal 1.5. I mean, look, what, 2008, you know, AJ Styles really in the, in, you know, nearing the high of that TNA run. So. Was this also the episode where Bauer was doing judo chops on the outside? <laughs> or was that the <laughs> other match? They, they, they look like shit. And they were putting him over, and he's like, you can't even spell judo. And that, that made me laugh pretty good. I don't know if it was this match or the other match, but yeah. The only thing I noted about McGuire about, about McGuire on the outside during either match was he actually clapping LaRuca with the uh, with the uh, restraining order in this match. The clapping with the pink of paper. It must have been the other. I forget which match it was. I watched both today again, and I, just, I remember one of them. 
he he was doing judo like these weak ass judo chops on his shoulder and like they were putting him over and then he's like he's like oh yeah he's a master of judo and he's like he can't even spell judo and it just uh, popped me it was really funny <laughs> after the match mcguire demands a second f5 from chrono who oblige him and then out come jake and bane to run him off he can hear mcguire fake look like he's gonna attack him chrono kicks bane with the chair and bane no helmet a pretty solid chair shot all things considered too so they were doing a really good job building this matchup. They've got Cronus built up like a killer, winning all these short matches. And then, like Jake and Bane, no a, a share shot to the head, like it didn't even fake him. And they did a really good job building up that match. Cronus is one of those dudes that I think I've I've heard the name. But it was interesting to see that his last match was the resolution match against Bane, and then he hasn't wrestled since. Or at least that information isn't available on Cage Match. Okay, go so from there. We go to. Joe Dombrowski cutting a get-down interview with, with Joni Gargano. And before the, the interview aired, Dombrowski ap- apologizing for what happened at the end of the interview. So, building up the backstory here, there was a match with Johnny Gargano and Gregory Iron at the first TV taping. It might have aired on the first episode, first and second episode, where Gargano wound up swinging Gregory Iron into the guardrail, gave him a really bad concussion. We haven't seen Gregory Iron since. This concussion was 100% legitimate. And they was actually legitimate concern that I was not going to wrestle again after that, after the incident. And they played it up huge here. So you've got Gargano wheeling himself in on a wheelchair, basically mocking the entire situation. Basically claiming that, yeah, that they should throw him a parade for injuring Gregory Iron. And Dabrowski finally just gets fed up with his attitude and starts cussing him out and throw him off. And let Gargano finish the interview himself. This is a little clunky because in very early Johnny Gargano, he had not found himself on the mic yet. But I love the idea behind it. It does really make Gargano look up to be a total dick leading into that eventual match with Greg Iron when Iron comes back. Yeah, and he was in a wheelchair the whole time, like just goofing off in the wheelchair while cutting, like doing the, the interview. So that was kind of funny. And this is also where the other MySpace reference was. And the fact that it was Johnny Gargano throwing like just a comment saying, hey, ladies, I'm single. You could find me on MySpace and comment and give me, send me a message. And I was like, Johnny, like, I don't see you as that kind of guy. Like, I don't, I don't see you trying to pick up ladies on MySpace. But hey, uh, looking back, it was absolutely hilarious. And then we have our main event. It is a ladder match for full progression of the Cutthroat Crew Pirate Horde. You got the team of V Squared, Virick and Virick Grande, taking on the team of Morty Rackham and Matthew Justin. Well, Matthew Justice in 2008 was pretty much just as crazy as Matthew Justice in 2020. That's one of the biggest takeaways I got from it. I was like, oh, yeah, this, nothing's changed. Yeah, my, my first impression when I call Matthew Justice with this look was he was a really big CM Punk fan back then. Between the haircut and the like pleather short he was, he, that he was sporting. And that, that was the impression I got. Yeah, there was uh, no I, muscle there. Like It was real bizarre to see that version of him. I was like, wow, I don't. I don't remember that version of him at all. Like, holy cow. And this is, this is a uh, match that was really spectacular, innovative in 2008. If you watch it with 2020, I you might be disappointed. And so try to remember it 2008 when you're watching it. That will make it better. Uh, Virus and Virus Grande hide out at the top of the stage to jump the other while they come into, yeah, while they come into the ring. Uh, we get a bunch of, bunch of spot of, of jump off the ladder, dive off the ladder. At one point, just a springboard, springboard onto the a springboard off the top rope onto one of the ladder to start a, a four-way battle on the top of the ladder. Uh, Virick avoided a couplex onto the ladder, tossed 
just onto it and then did a quebrada onto it. And the ladder that was bridging the other ladder and the middle rope started sliding through the rope and Justin went with it. Obviously not planned to go out exactly that way, but it was a great visual. Biggest issue I have with the with the with this match is there are too few attempts to win. And this match is close to 20 minutes, and besides maybe once or twice, no one really tries to win the match until about the 15-minute mark. I get to a point you need to wear your man down before you try to climb the ladder, especially when there's four guys out there. But at the same time, like, you know, somebody needs to act like what they're what they're uh, trying to win is important to them. And I didn't get that from here. So Justin with a sweet-looking coast-to-coast dropkick. Uh, starts to climb the ladder to finally try to win the match. Virus Grande just tossed the chair, hits him in the head, knocks him down. We get a little bit more fighting, and then Matthew Justice goes out and gets the table. We tease some table spots. Uh, out on the stage, Justice hits a tornado DDT, uh, steps up onto the ladder and swings around on the stage on the outside. It's a neat-looking spot. Puts, uh, uh, puts Grande onto the table, a frog bash slash off the ladder, and that gives Morty Rackham time to retrieve the flag in, in the ring in about 18 minutes. Okay, by 2020 standards, maybe not the best ladder match. By 2008, holy shit, that was fucking good. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was over swords until you mentioned something. I completely missed that fact. So that made me laugh, actually, that it was all over some swords. Uh, which, did they get to use the swords at least after they were done? Because maybe they cut it and just, like, sliced them up? I don't know. Something. Like, why, why, why are you fighting over swords? I'm trying to remember the... the I'm trying to remember exactly what it what the uh, deal was with it, because it was built off of something on one of the earlier shows. Virus uh, and Virus Grande stole the sword of the Cutthroat crew. Uh, Morty Rackham and Rufio, Ra- Rufio Rapier at the time. I forget why Rapier was no longer in the storyline and Justin came in. I'd have to rewatch the episode to get all the specifics out of it. But but that's pretty much pretty much what it was. V-Square stole the pirate sword and they want the match to get them back. What do you think, Justin? The big, like I said, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is everything with with Justice. We end up seeing uh, what was it, Morty Rackham ended up becoming uh, Rex Brody, and like he's always been always been a dude who can entertain you one way or another. I think I seen I only seen the Cutthroat crew once, and uh, this right here was still cool because I that's what I figured it was some something that had to do with the Cutthroat crew and, and whatever. The the other team. I had to do like a little bit of research on him. And those also two other dudes who I think wrestled locally. And that was pretty much it. And we hadn't seen anything from them since, but they reminded me of Jared. Like, well, you might remember too, Charlie, the wrestler in AIW just known as arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Who wrestled like probably definitely around this time, but I seen him a couple of times in AIW and like, that was it. And I've always questioned who he was. So when I seen these two, I was like, Oh, was he, was he related to arrow? What, what, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I remember the first Midwest uh, wrestling show. They had uh, um, Cutthroat Crew, which Cutthroat is what crew. I was referring to. Yeah, and uh, my mom got a picture with them because she really liked them. And uh, I still have that picture to this day. It's was, it was awesome. Yeah, of course, my favorite Morty Rackham gimmick was Wicky Dicker in an old wrestling. But. <laughs> oh, man, I miss old wrestling. I can't wait to, to see some old wrestling. I cannot wait. Like That's like one of my top things I can't wait to see again. I love it so much. And I was so excited to go to to Detroit to see that show too. Like I have a list of all these like places I want to go see wrestling at, and I'm still holding out for that show. I, I, I hope that happens next year at some point. I really hope that we can do that. And, uh, I can't wait for that. Wrestling just need to come back in general. Dude. I think when, uh, 
when it finally when everything finally starts starting to start showing like that it's getting back to normal like we're gonna be just bombarded with so much wrestling it's gonna be insanity um yeah the, yeah, the problem is everybody's gonna run on the same night and everyone's gonna wonder why all the cards look weak right i mean there is gonna be a show right as of right now in january and here in ohio gonna be down in columbus for uh uh yeah. owa i believe yeah, I have my I have my doubt that that show is actually going to happen, but I've seen the ad for it. I hope it, I, I mean I, I hope it does, but with guidelines being what they are right now, I don't see it happening. I just I don't want to take the chances with anything right now. I feel like once we get a better idea of what's going on with the vaccine and with everything else, uh, you know, I feel like summer next year might be the best bet for when I feel comfortable maybe going to a show. I might go sooner if AAW does run sooner, but. It's going to take a lot for me to feel comfortable to go right now because, I mean, stuff is just not good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm the exact opposite right now. I've been I've been working retail this entire time, including fucking Christmas season. Yeah, I pack that, pack that wrestling show as high as you want to fucking pack it at this point. Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I, figured, I, figured, I figured out. I was having a few beers on Christmas Eve. And when I got to my third beer, I went... I've had just now had as many beers like I had wrestling bookings this year, and that fucking pissed me off. Like I need wrestling back. I think we all do, man. We're all getting to that point where it's we're itching real bad for it. But patience is key. When it's the right time, it'll be the right time. And uh, I mean, hell, they could have shows. I just I don't know if I feel comfortable right now with it. Like I don't I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. So, okay, so uh, can I ask you a question real quick? I don't know if you even know what happened here, but yeah. I'm uh, looking at the. I had to check on something because I got a notification not uh, like right before the Orange Flackley show went up last week about our week 19 show for action wrestling, like just now coming up on the feed. Do you have any idea what the fuck happened there? For some reason, it was showing that it was like pending or something. I don't know what was going on. And because I was going through and making sure that our season and our number count was correct on everything, trying to make sure it was all correct so that it would show up correctly in the system. And that one, for some reason, was showing that it was, like, pending or something, even though it had posted and it had gone out and everybody had listened to it because we, you know, Matt Sells even, like, mentioned it, retweeted it, talked about it, you know, messaged us, said thank you for the kind words, the whole nine. So I'm not sure why, but it, like, reposted it as it was, like, it was brand new and we got more listens on it, so. Yeah, I I don't, I'm not arguing getting the more looking kind of, but, like, even looking at the Podbean theme, it's like, I saw week 19 was missing, and I kind of look up, and it's like, week 30, week 19, week 31, like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know how to fix it now, so it's just, it is where it is, so. So, if anybody else is wondering what happened there, that's your answer. All right, so, where are we leaning on this show, gentlemen? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I'm going to go thumbs in the middle. Um, I know there's more complete, uh, more complete history out there from another, um, site that you can go to so i would say if you're interested in checking this out maybe start with these episodes but you're going to need to finish on another um like pro wrestling library i think it's called and uh so i mean this is early stuff so it's not the greatest but it's it's interesting it's a it's a picture in time of wrestling in ohio and uh, i thought it would just be a fun um final for the season with having justin on so I give it a thumbs in the middle. I'd probably watch more um, if there was more on IWTV, but I may never get around to watching it elsewhere. So, for me, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, and it's mainly because I'm going to uh, grade it on a curve. It's 2008 independent wrestling. It's not necessarily the best, but this is a company that was 
kind of just starting to get on its feet and everything. And it would take a number of years. So definitely for the time, I give it a thumbs up. And if this was a show right now, this would be thumbs in the middle, potentially, maybe even thumbs down. But I would at least say if it was a show now, thumb in the middle. Yeah, that actually is pretty much where I'm going with it as well, Justin. Uh, the nostalgic part of me, I remember watching the Captain Cook Sports Time Ohio when it happened. I, I mean, I legitimately forgot that Michael Hutter was in PWO at one point. There was some stuff that I had forgotten, but there's stuff I remembered watching at the time. So I'm looking at it from that aspect, I'm going to give it a, a slight thumb up. But if, as a standalone show, if it was my first exposure to it, yeah, probably thumb in the middle would end up being what I fell on it. Any last thoughts before we get into blog? Um, I got I got nothing else on this show. Uh, going back maybe to what Charlie said, yeah, you do have to go to a, a different website. I think some things are still available on YouTube, but I know they will be taken down because we're to a point where all of PWO Prime Wrestling is now available on that other service. I really wish Joe Dombrowski would put it on, you know, IWTV. I don't understand why he does, but I mean, it's it's his deal. He has his thing with a different website. That's fine. Maybe he's get he gets more money from it. But to be able to have like the whole library on IWTV, I, I think would be great, especially with some of those older episodes. Uh, you know, I've was going to try to look through YouTube and see if I can find that episode of PWO or, you know, I'd seen Brody Lee and he said that shit to me, but cause it, it's, it's kind of on camera, but not like the whole interaction or not like you can barely see me. Um, but this was a nice little trip down memory lane, even if I wasn't around, that's that particular point. All right. With that, I guess we should go ahead and get into the plug. Justin, you're the guest. Why don't you go ahead and start first? We've already talked about wrestling a little bit, but go ahead and give it right to the detail. Uh, of course you can find me at wrestling cheers uh if you don't know the show by now i don't i don't know why uh but we talk about independent wrestling in the northeast ohio and scene unfortunately obviously with not a lot of aiw shows which is the main focus we haven't done a lot so i've done a lot of interviews and all that kind of stuff this week's episode we will be reviewing 2020 and if, if everything goes right, because we haven't recorded the episode yet, it will be this week. We review 2020 next week. We will preview 2021. Uh, uh, Charlie is going to be on that episode. So if you like this show, that's another reason why you should check into that one. And much like Wrestling Cheers, I'm available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at jsummers330. And the show is available at Wrestling Cheers. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Twitch at the new handle at RefJayhawk. Uh, the Twitch stream within the next couple of days. I'm going to get get just get a little bit a little bit more free time to start on it. But I'm going to doing the Ultimate World Title Tournament via Higher Pro Wrestling World. Probably start that. Probably start that Friday with the New Year. Start the New Year off right with that. And that's going to be a series of tournaments featuring world champions from different organizations, leading to a leading to the Ultimate Tournament. Once that all that's done, I figure that's probably going to be a three to six month project. I'll make sure I give that my full attention. You can also follow me on. Facebook and on Instagram at Jayhawk1539 and Butter. I remember you can use promo code PWP for five days free at independentwrestling.tv. And remember to check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, At Odds with Wrestling, the Spotlight Series, and its Evolution Baby. And you can check out our other friends, PWPonderings.com, Big Starks Brand, Masses Wrestling Adventures, Good Company in Cleveland, Ohio, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, and Kayfabe Collectibles. You know what? Now that I think about that, Justin, Mouse's Wrestling Adventures, you were on that episode. That's our number one episode. So 
my mistake. You, you in fact, hold the title for number one episode. Um, yeah. So thoughts on holy, that? Holy shit. You're right. I didn't even think about that. I mean, I, I listen to all these episodes and I've been on so many episodes. So sometimes I do forget what I'm on and what I'm not on. I, that, that sounds like a really weird brag, but I mean that some things, things just jumble up, but you're right. I was on that episode. So orange flaccity, you can fucking suck it. Motherfucker <laughs> bow down to the king. And for you, I have a little, little present for you. <laughs> Shot fired. Oh man, I love that this is now a feud going on on my show. Uh, I love it. Uh, remember, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlie underscore Butters, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at IWTV Guide. Wear your mask. Black Lives Matter. Talk to you next year, everyone. Oh